Grace Life Baby Born in the part of Grace, where Ed Cooper, Edward, Edward Cooper's back there, named after his grandfather. The good thing is that baby is a lot cuter than his dad. So that's the, <laughs> we were sweating it for like nine months and, whew. My name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teacher here in uh, Grace Life. We're going to go back. We're not at the beginning, so I'll just go back. Pretend like you don't see all that. Okay, good. Joe Davis, Grace Life. We're continuing our study on Philippians. We're in week four. Uh, week four I've titled Relentless Love. Relentless affection, relentless compassion. We're going to talk about this idea of relentless today, and it comes from Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. But first, before I get there, I want to give you a little bit of a <clears throat> review of what we talked about. The first week in this study, we talked about how love is going to have to be vulnerable if we're going to be a good church. I talked about the culture of vulnerability that Paul displayed in Philippians chapter 1, when he said, I thank God every time I think about you. Every prayer I pray is for you, and I long to be with you. And Paul made himself extremely vulnerable. And then we talked about the next week, the, the ability and the willingness for us to, tap, to have our suffering be a gift to others that are living the grace life with us. Talked about our example. I talked about some examples of people in your church family that are going through challenges and struggles. And we talked about how their suffering is helping me become a better person. Then we talked last week about love through humility. And this is important because if you have depravity amnesia, in other words, when you forget your own depravity, you're going to be very easily tricked into judging and condemning other people. And that's part of the problem that many churches have is we forget our own depravity and we slip right into judgment and arrogance. But this week, we're talking about love that is relentless. I'm going to read the passage to you. It's a great passage. Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. Here's what Paul says. <clears throat> therefore, and that therefore is based upon those other three things I just talked to you about since chapter 1, about vulnerability, suffering, and humility. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, it's important, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work to his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I could probably stop right there, couldn't I? But I'm not that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among you whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you notice he says you can be grumbling and complaining or you can be perfect and blameless. It's interesting that he puts those two together. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if, and listen to this imagery, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you for that. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. In other words, just like I'm poured out, 
And glad, you should be glad if you're poured out. So let's talk about the three applications of this passage. Like we do here at Grace Life, every passage has three applications that you have to understand. You have to understand the history. What about man? What did he do? And why and how did he do it? Then the theology. What about God? What did he do? And why and how did he do it? And then and only then can you understand the devotional part. What about me? What am I supposed to do with this? And how and why do I do it? Let's look at the history. The Philippian church had a track record of faithfulness and relentless love. This church is about a decade old, so it's not that old. And what Paul is doing in this book of Philippians is he is preparing them for the day they're going to have to stand on their own. He's going to be killed soon, and he knows it. And he's trying to make sure, listen, no matter what happens, I want you to be ready and able to continue what you've done. Such a great job in the last 10 years. Those things that have made me fall in love with you, please make sure you continue to do them because I'm going to be gone soon. And this church, Philippi, this church, the Philippian church, had become really, in many ways, the crown jewel of Paul's Gentile ministry. I mean, he was more excited about what was going on in the Philippian church than almost anywhere else. You can tell because he's about to die and he's the one that, they're the ones that he's writing to. And they had this track record of faithfulness, of sacrifice, and affection, and commitment to each other and to the gospel. They had this when Paul was with him. Like, they were really good church. Like, when Paul was around, they would say, yeah, you know, we're doing a good job. But even when Paul would leave and go to start other churches, they would still be doing the same thing. Not like I was when my mom would go to work during summer vacation. I told a story a few years back about how I wasn't supposed to use the toaster oven. And, you know, if there's a rule, Joe, do not use the little toaster oven. I would never use it if my mom was there. But the rules are different when mom is gone. You know those pot pies? Hottest food in the world. You ever tried to eat one of those things out of the oven? So I put a pot pie in the toaster oven. I didn't know what top brown only was. Caught on fire, and it's flaming up, and so I take water and throw it on it. It put the fire out, what? What's the problem? Broke the glass, so I cracking the glass. So what I tried to do is, my mom is not here. I've just done this, so I'm going to have to make sure it looks like I didn't do it. So I took all the glass out. It's just a hole in the oven. (laughs) They'll never notice. Unlike me, the Philippians had a track record of faithfulness, whether Paul was there or somewhere else. And the Philippians had become this great source of love for Paul as he planted other churches As he faced immense persecution from Jewish people who hated the fact that he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the temple was no longer needed for sacrifice, for sin, to be connected to heavenly dad. There were people who wanted to kill him because of that. They stuck with him. They stuck with him when he dealt with other churches that were falling away, like the church at Corinth, who was going off the deep end with bad theology and bad worship and bad morality, and he's dealing with them, and they didn't like the fact that he was dealing with them, and the Philippians stuck with him. They stuck with him when he was facing imprisonment and now finally facing execution at the hands of the Roman government. And what he does is he encourages them, listen, I want you to, all these things you've been doing, I want you to do to the end 
even as I am willing to do him to the end. He had sacrificed a lot for this church. And he was willing to do even more. That's why he says, poured out as a drink offering. If necessary. You see, a drink offering is a picture, guys, of being completely, relentlessly spent for the benefit of someone else's walk with Jesus. Being poured out means you are willing to be completely and relentlessly spent, exhausted, totally emptied for the benefit of someone else's faith. Let's be honest. How many of us really are willing to go that far for one another? As I was studying this and looking at this historical example, I felt a little guilty. Just being honest. But this is a great picture, this poured out picture. And this is the picture I want to get you to have in your mind as I'm talking the rest of the day about relentless. This is a great picture of what relentless affection and love for each other should look like, right? Willing to go to the end and sacrifice it all so that you might be closer to Jesus. So that's the history. Let's look at theology. Real faith produces relentlessness. Let me tell you why I like the word relentless to describe how faith, which is what, by the way? Faith is a gift. Faith affects our ability to love one another. Here's what relentless means. See, see if this kind of makes sense. Showing or at least promising no abatement of severity, intensity, strength, or pace. Showing or promising no abatement, in other words, no slowing down of the severity of our affection, the intensity of our affection, the strength of our love and affection, or the pace of our love and affection. In other words, our relentlessness takes no vacations. See, both the Philippian church and Paul were relentless in their love for one another. This relentless nature was from the hand of God. It's God that works in you. He says in the passage, now that you've done this in my presence, even much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and we'll deal with that passage in just a minute. And he follows up for, it is God who works in you for to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the reason that faith can be relentlessly impacting us is because it is from God. It is a result of the gift of faith. And Paul taught this concept many times that relentlessness was a key indicator of whether or not you could say that you were a Christian. Did you know that? Paul taught, I found about 20 verses that talked about being relentless in our faith and endurance and things like that. I just picked three. The first one is in Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap or benefit if we do not give up. You see that? So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. You know what he says there? If you can't even do good to the people who you worship with, then you've got a problem. If your faith is not causing you to at least be relentless with the people that you love and worship God with, you've got an issue. (laughs) 
Look at this one. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Patience with each other is important. And if you can't have patience with somebody else's depravity, it's a possibility that you might not have that gift of faith that makes you relentless. Look at this one. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one. See, there is this concept again of loving each other, isn't it? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, guys. You think you're good at glorifying God? What Paul is telling you there is you better have the gift of endurance because you need to do it together with one voice. And if you can't have relentless affection for one another, then you're going to try to worship God on your own. And what Paul is saying there is if you really have the gift of endurance, the gift of faith, you're going to have this ability with patience with one another to glorify God with one voice. It doesn't mean that we'll never grumble. He says, even in this passage, don't be grumbling and complaining about one another. He says that, right? It doesn't mean that you never grumble. Look, sometimes y'all deserve a little grumbling. Trust me. Sometimes I deserve a little grumbling. But it should never take long for real faith to rush you back to the relentless affection and love that Jesus gives you and that you should give others. <clears throat> to the example of relentless affection that Paul had for the Philippians even to the end and to the relentless affection we should have for each other to be poured out as a drink offering. Because relentless affection is produced not by discipline, not by practice, not by religion, not by how much money you give, even though we're helping people for Thanksgiving. Relentless affection is not measured by how much money you give to Thanksgiving meals to people you don't even know. Relentless affection is measured by how you interact with one another even while we are sinful. And it is produced only by the gift of faith. All right, let's look about the devotional. What does relentless look like in our lives? Let me give you the opposite example of relentless. We have in America this, this kind of unusual obsession with slowing down retirement. Now, I'm not talking about retirement when you get to a certain point when you stop working your job. I'm talking about the idea of quitting. Guys, let me tell you something. There is no room for retirement for the faithful. You can change your focus. As a matter of fact, when you stop working, your thought should be, now I can be even more relentless in loving my church. I mean, here's, here's the thing that frustrates me about retirement in America. You have this skill that you've used all your life to make money, 
And now you retire at the end and you have this skill and somehow that skill you use to make money, you're supposed to put it on the shelf now? You're really good at something for like half a decade or half a century and now you put it on the shelf? Why not take that skill set and use it to be relentless in your affection for God's people? When God is at work in you, you can let your salvation have its work with confidence and with great endurance, no matter what your age, no matter what your emotional state. It is God, Paul says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's what that will look like in your life. Are you ready? First of all, you'll have relentless motivation. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know what that really means? It doesn't mean that you have to earn your salvation. We know that salvation is by grace through faith, which is what? A gift. It's to see evidence that your faith is real from heavenly dad and not religion. We don't want good Presbyterians. We don't want good Baptists. We don't want good Catholics. We don't want good anything. We want relentless sinners who have been saved by grace and are motivated to make sure that, yes, my faith is real. It's very evident by my relentlessness. So you have this motivation to be relentless because you want to see your faith real. You know what else? There's relentless confidence. Where's the confidence come from? It's God that works in you. So don't be afraid to let your faith be seen by your relentlessness. Know that God is working in you to both to will and to his good pleasure and have confidence you can have relentless trust that God is working in your life. And that brings relentless commitment. Shining as lights before the world. That's what the passage says, right? It's a big job that requires a lot of effort. And if we are really going to be light, listen, we can just be a nice fun group that meets together in a pretty good-sized room with a pretty good-sized group of people and has really good donuts and bagels and coffee. Where's that coffee from? Is it Starbucks coffee? I think it might be. It's really good. Like, it's not free. And we have this coffee out here, and we could just do that every week and make ourselves feel good. But you know what? It's going to take all of us being poured out to be a beacon and a light to our community. We have to have relentless commitment, which will bring us to the willingness to have relentless sacrifice. This is the part I want to park on for just a minute. Don't answer, don't raise your hand or anything like that, but just ask yourself, is my level of sacrifice relentless or is it convenient? Is my level of sacrifice for others relentless or is it just when I can spare the time or the treasure or the talent? See, I will tell you, if you have the gift of faith that gives you relentless motivation, relentless confidence, and relentless commitment, you are going to see it evidenced through relentless sacrifice. Paul said to be poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. Paul wanted them to follow his example so badly. His example of being poured out. He wanted them to be poured out for each other and for those around them. See, this is what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. To allow yourself, get this now, this is what it means. Would you just please allow yourself to be encouraged by the evidence of real faith in your life? Don't be scared of that phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take that phrase as, I am willing, I am not afraid to be encouraged by how real the faith that God has given me is in my life. 
This particular evidence we're learning about today is the relentlessness that faith puts in us. It means we don't constantly grumble and complain about each other. It might happen from time to time, but it's short. And you know what the best way to squash grumbling and complaining and fighting with one another is? Man, I was pretty sinful before grace. See, it's much harder to grumble and complain. Like he says in this passage, don't grumble and complain. It's much harder to grumble and complain when you are reminded of the love of Jesus on the cross. Look at this. Here's what uh, some people think Paul wrote Hebrews. We're not sure, but here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, we're surrounded by the story of all these people who have been relentless with their life. We're surrounded by this crowd of relentless people. Let us shake off every weight and sin which clings to us so easily and so closely. Shake off the things that are keeping us from being relentless and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. There's the idea of endurance, relentlessness. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It's he who works in you to will and to his good pleasure. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured relentlessly, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's really hard to be a grumbler when you look at that, isn't it? If our love for the things that derail us from our affection of each other, some examples, being judgmental, being unforgiving, being demanding of other people's sacrifice or willingness to confess or our willingness to give to them. Maybe sometimes the things that beset us are our love for money or things. Maybe the things that keep us from being relentless is our passion for our own agenda, these things that so easily beset us and weigh us down. If those things are constantly winning, it's perhaps the reason being that your faith is not real, that it's religion. And religion, get this, religion is very powerful to make you guilty, but it's powerless to make you relentless. But faith in Christ will. Because I know one thing for sure that Paul has taught us today. Real faith will produce relentless affection for our church family and our mission to shine as lights in our town. And so the way I would kind of capsulize this for you today would be simply this. How often do you have to take a break from loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? The answer, none. Look, when you go to bed, I'll, I'll see that, okay? Take a rest, 11.30 to 6 in the morning, you don't have to love us. But when you wake up, you need to be willing to be poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of my faith. I need to be willing to be poured out for yours. You need to be willing to be poured out for each other's. And the only way that will happen is if you've been given the gift of faith. Let us set aside the things that keep us from being relentless so that we can embrace relentless affection 
like Paul had for the Philippians and they had for him. I want to pray this morning. So, Dad, there's a lot of things that distract us in our life. Our love of things and the world. Sometimes it's our love of money. Sometimes it's our love of being right. Sometimes it's our love of having other people apologize. Sometimes it's our love of being religious. God, I pray that you would give us the evidence of our faith manifested in our relentless affection for one another because we recognize without relentless affection, we're just a group gathering together for donuts on Sunday morning. We don't want to be that. We want to be poured out for the sacrifice and service of each other's faith.